What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the host of the People's Party. I know you've been enjoying it so far. We thank you for your love and support. We got more People's Party coming up. We got all types of situations that you're going to want to tune into and never forget to watch. Talib Kweli, Jasmine Lee, it is the People's Party. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is Talib Kweli. I'm your host. This is the People's Party. Welcome to my wonderful, beautiful, talented co-host, Jasmine Lee. Hello. That's right. Jasmine rolled with a winning team today. I did. You know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking she about. She gets it. Today is a very special episode because we have a comedian. Oh, yes. I'm excited. You like the comedians. I do. This comedian today is someone who I admire for their voice and their courage. She is a writer, a producer, a TV host. You might know her from a Netflix comedy series or HBO stand-up special. She started out on Late Night with Seth Meyers. She worked on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. And you definitely know her from her legendary performance at the 2018 White House Correspondents' Dinner. She's a fucking badass. People give it up for Michelle Wolf. How you doing? Good, how are you? <laughs> Get into it. Get the wolf stuff out. Michelle of the Wolves. I am of the wolves. You are of the wolf. It's a great last name. It I is. I got really lucky. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. It's like ferocious and fierce. Yeah. It's pretty good. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Good. Good. Okay. Good to be here. Sorry. I'm, I'm out of it. Why? Um, well, I've been editing a special and oh. there's nothing worse than watching yourself for 12 hours oh. straight. It's, it's really terrible. I can tell you everything that's wrong with my that body right awesome. now. Oh, no. <laughs> I would that's love perfect. to do that. Whether it's no. me or you. No, it's it's awful. It's really awful. My one eye closes more than my other. <laughs> <laughs> I think my right hand is too big. <laughs> These are all things you notice. <laughs> Everyone has a lazy eye. Some people have to drink a little bit before it's shown. But. Yeah, well, mine is all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so you're focused on your flaws from watching yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't know if I've ever looked at myself and said anything positive. <laughs> What about you, Jan? I mean, I tend to find a little bit of positive things to say about me. Some might say I find too many positive things to say about me. <laughs> but that someone is not me. Okay. Um, you talk a lot about, or joke a lot about your voice. Yeah. When did you notice that your voice was different than everyone else's? Um, you know, I started doing the announcements in seventh grade when I was in middle school. I do uh -huh. the morning announcements and... Uh, and then that's what I noticed that it was like. <laughs> like on the loudspeaker. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so, perfect. Yeah, and then uh, people were like, I, I had a co-host, uh -huh. and every co-host I had, they had like a, you know, like a human uh -huh. voice. <laughs> and then I'd be like, good morning, it's Thursday. <laughs> and, and everyone would be like, no, that's, that's a little aggressive. <laughs> I did the morning announcements, too, and people also talked about my voice, but for the opposite reason of yours, because it's super deep and raspy like a man's. Yeah, well, that's what people think is, like, cool and sexy. <laughs> I yeah. never get... Smoker's voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I have a cold, you it's sound really great. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on the last Tribe Called Quest album, and um, I did the verse, and it was cool, and Q-Tip was an excellent vocal producer. Um, but then he was like, something missing. I need you to come in and do the vocals again. And I was in Florida... And I was like, I was in Florida trying to get over a cold. I had, I had a show and I stayed extra days to get the sun in me, mm -hmm. some vitamin D. I'm like, I have a cold. He's like, perfect. Come today. Come right now. <laughs> you having a cold is exactly what I want you to sound like on this record. Wow. And I recorded with a cold. That's perfect. That's yeah. that's when I'm the best. Uh, the only other time I did uh, I did Fresh Air with Terry Gross, and uh -huh. she like you know she has like a whisper voice. Yeah, yeah, the NPR voice. Yeah, the whole time I was just like yeah, and then I was also like I felt like I had to match her. <laughs> I didn't want to like break. Right, it was like a whisper off. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to whisper. Now you grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. That's correct. Um, when I was a child, a wee lad in my salad days, mm -hmm. going to Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania was a huge deal. Yeah. It was like, oh my goodness, like it's not just chocolate, but it's amusement park. Oh. Yeah, man. So what was that like? Were y'all just over it? 
Yeah, well, it was really fun because the park used to close. It closed at 10, mm-hmm. but at 9.30, you could go in for free. Ah. So we used to all Tricks go. Tricks of the trade. For, yeah. for a half hour? Yeah. So oh, we, wow. we would go in at 9.30. There was like this spot we knew to park to like, we'd run in the park. We'd run a roll, we'd ride a roller coaster for like, you know, until the, they were like, you guys got to get off. Right. And then we'd leave. So it was just fun. Wow. Wow. But I also worked at a Subway sandwich place that was in the park, and that wasn't as fun. I, uh, Subway sandwich has a distinct smell. Yeah. I hear that's from the bread. It's from the bread. Uh, and also, it was the Subway that was by the water portion of the park. Oh. So there was like the bread smell plus the chlorine smell. Oh. And this is like the... <laughs> the like true Hollywood stories of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Subway yeah. should be half off with all of the smelling and the uh, <laughs> it's gross scandals and yeah. Well, they you be know, giving it away at this point. <laughs> I, the the fact that they didn't go under after that Jared scandal oh, yeah. is yeah. is a testament to their sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> they can survive like roaches. You can, su- yeah, yeah, yeah. You you survive a pedophile scandal. Right. You're like, like they made Jared their guy too. Like he was the subway guy. Yeah, and you know after he lost weight, he he had more kids after you know right. like he, he was able to pedophile more. Right. He was able to move faster. That's yeah. terrible. That's our sponsor, by the way. Yeah, well, <laughs> and you know what? They knew <laughs> the sandwiches uh, aren't bad. <laughs> Wait, is it really our sponsor? No, it's not. Oh, okay. We don't have a sponsor. I was going to say, where's our free party, sandwiches? Jasmine. All right. We're sponsored by the love of the people. And you know what? Also, at that subway, they um, a lot of articles said that they knew about it, that people were already complaining about Jared, and they were like saying, like, oh, he shouldn't be going to schools and to speak and stuff, and they still were was letting him speak. So I don't know how they got over that. Uh, um, you know, we talk about comedy and just everything being a lot more PC. Yeah. And 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 sometimes comedians and and actors and people in this generation are getting penalized for things back in the days because we're a lot more aware right. of things. And sometimes that's not good. But I think I like the fact that we're a lot more aware of how bad pedof- uh, pedophiles are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. a that's a good one to be more yeah. on top of. Yeah. Yeah. At I any agree. time, if you were a Chester, you should be clinked up. And it right, because you know I look at entertainment and stuff from back in the days, and you know it was like. Our society is just just recently, maybe in the last 10, 15 years, decided that pedophilia is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's just like, it's like, how good do you have to be at something to get away with pedophilia? Ooh. You know, like like yeah. Jerry Sandusky must have been right. great. It's a power of the jammers. Like, it's yeah. like uh, uh, Gerard Carmichael has a, a bit where he talks about uh, talent outweighs morality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all yeah. the time. It, it, there's, I have this theory that you only have like so much... Like, you only have so much good, mm-hmm. and if it's all towards one thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, then you're going to be terrible in the rest of your life. Right. Like, you're oh. really excellent at one thing, you're probably going to be terrible at the rest. Like, Steve Jobs, excellent at, like, tech and, you know, selling tech. Mm-hmm. Bad dad, you know? Right. <laughs> like there's, God doesn't right. give you too much. Yeah. He wants to humble you. Right. Yeah. Um, now, you... Uh, we're at Bear Stearns and J.P. Morgan mm-hmm. and the time that led up to the financial crisis. And now you are famously politically progressive comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about Wall Street right now? What kind of advice would you have for people working in that type of job? Wolf on Wall Street. Sorry. A friend of mine trying to get that nickname to stick for like three years. <laughs> um, trying to make fetch happen over there. I'm over there. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, th- that was... A very bleak time in my life. Wow. It's uh, w- the the craziest part about working at Bear Stearns, because I was there when it collapsed. Mm-hmm. I was there the day Bear Stearns collapsed. I was there the after the weekend when there was like a $2 bill mm-hmm. taped on the doorway. Mm-hmm. And you just over, after J.P. Morgan brought, bought them, and you just over like the course of several months saw people get fired mm-hmm. every week. Mm-hmm. And you saw people... That had worked their whole, they had spent their whole careers invested in this company in Bear Stearns. Like mm-hmm. they, they worked from their bottom up. They had, they were invested in the stock, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they lost almost everything. Not to mention all the people that also did, but like it was, it was really bleak to see how little they cared. Mm-hmm. Um, and even to this day, like I don't, I don't invest in the market at all. I don't trust it at all. Um, From your experience. Yeah. And like, I know people are always like, no, it's long term. Long term, it evens out. But if you're like, if you're retirement age when something like that happens, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, anyone that was like wanting to retire around 2007, 2008, 
they would either have to retire with nothing if they were heavily invested or they could work for 10 more years until it bounced back. So I, uh, I, I think banks are terrible. Um, uh, there are good people that work there. I like mm-hmm. genuinely had good bosses who were like invested. They love the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, the places are, if you're looking at things that are wrong with America, you could, you could name banks. Uh, clearly a lot, but the banks are number one. That's why I keep my money underneath my mattress. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have any money in my house. What are you talking Mattress. about? <laughs> so how did you get from that to comedy? Uh, well, I the first couple months working at the bank, I like I did like it. Like mm-hmm. there was a, something about wearing a suit and like being around all these powerful people that I was like, yeah, maybe I could do this, mm-hmm. you know. And then very like that lasted for a couple months and then I was like no everyone here is very mean and this place is not good and it's making me mean and angry oh. and my friends came to, yeah mm-hmm. it was it's it's toxic all mm-hmm. over uh but my friends came to visit me and I should also say I was I did very well at the bank like it, right. it wasn't like people you were, were good like, at your job I was good at my job I kept moving up mm-hmm. and I still was like this is a bad environment mm-hmm. like what you have to do to keep moving up doesn't feel good my first day at the job I was I started out as an assistant to the CFO of the private bank and uh the first day he hadn't had an assistant for a while so the woman who was sitting in front of me who was assistant to the CEO mm-hmm. had been working with him and I walk into the office he holds up this like tan colored uh, moleskin notebook and he was like this is the color I like my coffee and he goes go get that oh and then so I went to the coffee shop I tried to match it 80s movie villain type shit I tried to match it as close as I could Mm -hmm. and then I came back and I brought it to him and he opened it up and he goes Amy she does it better than you oh Oh, and so then immediately she hated me Like Devil Wears Prada. Uh, yeah, that was like this. Every every like Miranda. Wall Street movie you've ever seen of a powerful boss. Yes. Like I, that's all of it. Yeah, it was, and that was like that's my first day. Like right. that's like okay, this is the environment. I gotta like compete. I gotta, right. which I am very competitive. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like for a little bit, it was fun to wear like suits and and be in the office and feel like mm-hmm. you, that you have like a little bit of power. And mm-hmm. I could see how people could really get locked into that mm-hmm. um but my friends came to visit me a couple of months after i started working there and we went to see a taping of snl and i'd always been such a huge fan and mm-hmm. after that i was just like well how did these people start working here mm-hmm. so i googled all of them and they almost all started in improv so then i just signed up for an improv class how important do you think the improv class is because i mean i grew i'm a huge fan of snl mm-hmm. right and, and i'm a i'm a huge fan of comedians that come out of Upright Citizen Brigade and Second City and stuff. And when I go back and look at the origin stories of my favorite comedians, it's often there. Yeah. How essential do you feel like that is to a comedian's career? I mean, I think improv is, a, like, it's such a valuable skill mm-hmm. to have. In life. In life, in, like, in stand-up, it helps so much just to right. be able to be on stage because it helps me write on stage. Mm. Um, you know, that if that, then what else mm-hmm. skill. It. It helps you to listen. Mm-hmm. It helps you to react. Like all that stuff. They're all good life skills. They're all good comedy skills. Um, yeah. I did experimental theater in um, college, which yeah. is is essentially it's theater improv. It's not comedy improv, but it's a lot of the same skills. And I I quit in the first year and started my career in rapping, but because that's where my heart was. Mm-hmm. But I definitely use a lot of the skills that I learned in that first year. Yeah. From experimental theater. That's exactly. I eventually switched from improv to stand up and. Mm-hmm. All the stuff I learned in improv, great. Right. I use it every day. Now, you seem very extremely hyper-disciplined mm-hmm. just from knowing you, right? And, and and you know, having to have that type of job at uh, Bear Stearns or something like that and be good at it, you have to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Having to go from improv to stand-up as quickly as you did and be successful at it, you have to d- be disciplined. And you're also a runner. Mm-hmm. And you also study human movement. And mm-hmm. can you tell us more about that side of your athletic side? Because I feel like that adds to your competitive side. Oh, yeah. I, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's get into that. Uh, let's talk about competitive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, well, growing up, I was always super into sports. Mm-hmm. I did every sport for at least a little bit. But mm-hmm. then I really fell in love with running and track. Mm-hmm. And um, 
when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I was like, well, I knew I couldn't be a professional athlete. I wasn't, uh-huh. I'm not that egotistical. <laughs> uh, but I was like, well, I want to work with athletes though. So I was, I found a, a major kinesiology, which is a study of how the body moves, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I, so I, I went to school for that mm-hmm. um, and because I thought I could be one of those people that like, remember those old Gatorade commercials where you saw people like running on treadmills hooked yeah. up to all the equipment? I was like, I want to be that person. Sweat. <laughs> yeah, I want to I be, be the guy studying that athlete. Right. Um, so that's what kinesiologists end up doing. They end up Gatorade doing, commercials. Yeah, yeah. They end up <laughs> Gatorade commercials. Right. They, they go right from college to SAG. And then they, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I... Uh, I started studying that. I loved it. There, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I loved anatomy. I loved uh, biomechanics. I mm-hmm. loved exercise physiology. Mm-hmm. I worked in this cardiovascular physiology lab. Um, so these are like several difficult fields mm-hmm. yeah. that you're finding huge success in. <laughs> I'm just, well, here's the thing. I hate disappointing people. <laughs> <laughs> you must so, hate it a lot. Yeah. Okay. So like, I'm like, I, I always... I always like to do really well at stuff, yeah. and um, are you, you a Libra? Know. No, I'm. The day it changes from You're a Virgo. Gemini I, to Cancer. Oh, Gemini. The day it changes. Really? I'm a middle person. Oh. Although, <laughs> I said that to Madonna once. What Sorry, that's you. a real big name drop. We need M with hanging out. But she goes. She goes. Right. <laughs> she asked me what my sign was, and I said that to her, and she goes, "No, no, no." Not the sign on the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, she stunned on you. Uh, all right. right. <laughs> I was, was just a... going by the calendar that's on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine uh, apparently wants to have an astrology segment of this show. I know. I'm always asking <laughs> Jasmine's signs, astrology corner. But I really wanted to claim you because Libras were good at a lot of things, and you know. People are like, oh, how are you good at so many things? But it's just like something that we do. So I was just hoping that you were one of us. But you know. I don't think I'm good at a lot of things. I think I'm good at a couple things. And then I just push those forward. So you feel like you're not wanting to disappoint people. Is That drive is so great that it makes you great at things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I relate to that because I work with a lot of great artists. And like uh, Yasin Bey, mm-hmm. somebody who's like a natural talent. Or like a Dave Chappelle, who's a good friend of mine and gives me a lot of work who's somebody who said when he saw you at the White House Correspondents' Dinner that you were just brilliant and fantastic mm-hmm. and didn't pull no punches. And he was very impressed with that. But I look at people like that who have this natural talent that I, I feel like uh, I don't have, but I feel like I'm way more ambitious than a lot of people. So I feel like even though I may not have that natural talent, I want it more than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to be as comfortable as Dave is on stage, mm-hmm. but I'm going to write so many jokes. Right. And that's how I always was with track, too. Like, mm-hmm. I was never, I'm never the most, like, physically, like, naturally talented, but, mm-hmm. like, my form was always better. Mm-hmm. And I was a jumper, so it was like, yeah, I couldn't jump. I was never going to jump as high as some of those girls, mm-hmm. but, like, I, my form was perfect. I really relate to that because I feel like that's how I am as a musician. Yeah. Um, Dave is a, a legend at the Comedy Cellar. Mm-hmm. And for the uh, for comedians, the comedy seller has become like a holy grail in a lot of people's minds, and has become mystified and storied. And um, your name comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching the new season of Crashing, and your name came up as someone who is at the comedy seller a lot. And I've I've seen you there. And and um, do you have any great stories from the comedy seller that you could share? With? Oh man, I have I have oh, I mean I have a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, anytime I get there, mm-hmm. I mean Keith Robinson is almost always there. Shout out to Keith oh, Robinson. I love him. Uh, anytime you walk in, Keith's at the table. He's always ready with like mm-hmm. something to just take you down a peg, mm-hmm. and then you yeah. hit him back real quick, and it's real fun. But uh, there, I mean, there is nights when um, I was there the night. This is a couple years ago. It was it was Dave. Chris Rock, Aziz, Amy Schumer, and Jerry Seinfeld mm-hmm. all showed up on the same show. Wow. Um, and, you know, I've had nights where it's like Chris has gone before me and then Louie's gone after me. And it's mm-hmm. just like to be sandwiched in between like legends mm-hmm. is just, a, a, it's unbelievable. And you've now uh, become one of those names that people refer to. And that's nice. Yeah. Uh, Quickly. It stays that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like it's, it's my home. It's it's my favorite place to perform. It's my favorite place to work on jokes. Um, it's 
I'm there every night. I'm in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, it's so, it's, I still have to pinch myself that, I mean, I have to pinch myself a million times because there's so many things I can't believe I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. But like when I'm there and it's like, I'm so comfortable there and I love it there. My nephews were just visiting me and they're, um, they're, they're four and seven. And I brought them to the cellar before mm-hmm. it opened. Oh, and th- before it opened. Okay. I didn't see the show. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, but they, uh, and then, so I like, I brought them on stage to show them like where I work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really neat. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, a, it's a cool place to be. Like, and then you hear when you're there and you're sitting at the table and like, you hear people tell stories of like Patrice or Geraldo mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, like all the greats that have passed that I thought, I mean, you'd love to see them today and what they're yeah. doing. And Do your nephews try and give you joke ideas? They don't really understand what jokes are yet. Oh. <laughs> That's such a comedian's answer. But the thing they're, is, they're too young. No, they don't get it. They know, though. They don't get it, but they, my five-year-old nephew, he knows that I go to show. I, uh-huh. I told you I lived in Atlanta for the mm-hmm. summer. And he was, like, coming up with the wackish jokes. He was like, T.T., you should say this on stage. And I'm like, no. But it was just so cute that he was trying to <laughs> give different things. Right, a little truth from the mouth of babes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, your big break came with Seth Meyers, mm-hmm. and you started out going to SNL. How did they do this to working with Seth Meyers? Um, and you've also worked on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, in terms of mainstream progressive shows, liberal shows, shows that lean left. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that style of comedy news show. I'm a fan of The Daily Show, Samantha Bee, John Oliver, all, all of that stuff, right? Trevor Noah, all that stuff. In those writers' rooms, are there any conservatives in those writers' rooms? Um, there's not conservatives so much as, like, I would probably actually be, like, the most... Uh, I'm not right-leaning at all, but, like, mm-hmm. I, I think to be a good comedian, you have to live in the gray mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. You just have to find what the funniest thing is. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple people like that. It's like a devil's advocate rules. thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. a little a little bit where it's just like, well, what's the funniest angle on this? I, I mean, I think all of those shows could benefit from more than mm-hmm. that, from more of that, because I don't necessarily think being correct is always the funniest. Right. And it's just, you got to decide what your voice is. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want to be correct, sure. But if you want to be the funniest, sometimes you're going to say stuff that is very politically incorrect. Now, what I'm hearing you say, and is, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit Mm -hmm. because I agree with you, right? But what I'm hearing you say is that people who, like you, you, yourself and me and Jasmine and most of the people in this room, we're, we're considered left-leaning. Mm-hmm. We're considered uh, progressive. And I feel like that's closer to the truth. Mm-hmm. I've, obviously, I've heard you take down liberals and you consider yourself a feminist, but I've heard you take down feminists. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're out there like, I'm going to be fair, right? But you must be a progressive or a liberal or a feminist because you feel like that's the right path, right? right. So you feel like that's right. That You use the word correct. Yeah. Um, I feel like the truth can seem like it has a leftist bias, yeah. but I'm a, considered a leftist. So I'm making a biased statement even when I say that. It's popular for the, uh, I'm on social media a lot, and the alt-right and the right-wing, they say the left can't meme. Yeah. Right? Well, meme to me is the lowest, worst form of comedy there is. Right. Like, you just post a picture and, like, a, some, what the fuck is that? Right? So, <laughs> some of them are funny. No, some of them are funny. If you're good at it, it's funny. Yeah. You know well, what I'm saying? Damn. But in the, in the scope of what comedy is, yes. to me, that's like, uh, so it's very low hanging fruit. Yeah. So yeah. if that's what you're best at, well, you can have that. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. do you feel like, what is it about comedians? Like, I, I grew up on Saturday Night Live. I grew up laughing my ass off at Dennis Miller mm-hmm. doing, you know, Weekend Update. But then when I, when now Dennis Miller, I'm like, I don't find that funny at all. Anything yeah. he says. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think about the fact that people say that conservatives just have no sense of humor? Well, I mean, I think anyone who, like, can't see outside of their political realm mm-hmm. has a hard time finding any sense of humor. Like, right up. Like, you see that with, like, any of the right-leaning comics. There's not that many, but there's a couple. Mm-hmm. They say the left is too liberal, but they're the same. Mm-hmm. The, 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 both sides of the spectrum are the same in the sense that, not of their beliefs, but they're the, they have the same criticism of mm-hmm. one another. Um, and... I don't necessarily think either one is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the people that, conf- that they get confused with comedy is that we're not supposed to talk about how we want. Like, 
I think a lot of liberals talk about how what we want the world to be mm-hmm. and like ideally this is these are the changes that were happen mm-hmm. and i think comics at their best are commenting on how society is today mm-hmm. and so sometimes it makes you seem like you're saying something politically incorrect but you're like well, we live in a politically incorrect world. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening. So I'm right. commenting on what's happening. I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm being honest. I'm mm-hmm. not being ideal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where kind of things get a little blurred right now. Mm. Where it's like, yeah, of course, I'd love for things to be better in the right. world, but right. I have to comment on the world as it is today. I just think that the left just sees. We see more truth because a lot of people are saying, oh, we don't see racism, we don't see this. And it's like, how do you not see that? So you can't possibly be really speaking about the truth if you're Mm not analyzing everything that's going on or if you're making excuses for Mm -hmm. every racist thing that happens in Mm -hmm. in the world. Well, this is that's why I feel like like the liberal white community does a lot where they're like, no, but we don't want to talk about like how we're racist. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about how we don't want to be racist. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but let's talk about how we're racist. So you can change so that we can recognize that we're racist and then change it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it, it's that like weird distinction where it's like, no, you have to comment on how things are and recognize how they are before you can make them better. Because we've it, done that a lot in America. Mm-hmm. You guys have probably noticed. We tend to just uh, not take responsibility right, and right. pretend like things are OK. Uh-huh. Um, and but like I think that's where like you, you see it a lot in like Brooklyn audiences. Like there's all these like. It's like entitled white people who are mm-hmm. like, they're like, you, you can't. We're, we're not supposed to say that stuff about black right. people. And it's like. They don't really represent Brooklyn, by the way. That's no, not no, the, no. They don't that's re- not the real Brooklyn. I'm the, just, I got to represent real quick. And that's like, and <laughs> they're saying like, well, you can't, you can't yeah. say that I stuff. I know exactly like, what you're talking about. I run into them, though. Yeah. I tell them the same but if thing. You don't but, but, but then those are the same people who I'm like, I'm like, but you moved into a house that was stolen from a black family. Right. So let's not. I can say whatever I want. You're right. living in someone's home. Mm-hmm. Like you, you they pretend to be woke and I'm like, "No, mm-hmm. you're you're part of the problem." Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of those people they end up in later in their life becoming conservatives. Mm. Yeah, it's like a lot of my fans who are like hip hop fans cuz they're trying to rebel against their parents and like I like Quali and Most Def and then they have to grow up white and get a real job. Yeah. And then it's like <laughs> Uh, I used to listen to that pro-black rap. I, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. I have to actually live as a white person for real. And if you don't call them out, they won't know it either. Because I know um, one of my friends made a comment and said, oh, I'm blacker than you. And I'm like, you can't be blacker than me because you're not you sure black. that was a friend? <laughs> now, this was a, that, that was actually an adult uh, uh, test that I had to go through. Because right. I had to, instead of cursing her out, mm-hmm. I had to actually use it as a teaching moment. Because mm-hmm. I realized she really does not understand why she shouldn't be saying this. Mm-hmm. And if we're not calling out why things shouldn't be saying or why X, Y, Z you did was racist, then they're not going to know and they're not going to be able to fix it or they're going to use that as an excuse right. to not fix it. Oh, and this is like, that's like the patience that black people have that like helps like move society forward. Mm-hmm. So thank you for having it. But all, but like it's a... It, like, <laughs> yes, we are the moral conscience of the country. But, like, you are welcome. But, but <laughs> white women... Uh-huh don't have that patience. Mm-hmm. Like, they immediately, if something like that would happen to, a version of that would happen to a white woman, mm-hmm. in most cases, they're like, you, they just get angry instead of, like, explaining why what happened was wrong. Mm-hmm. They're like, they want it to be fixed now mm-hmm. rather than being like, no, this is a process and we have to, like, they want it to be fixed before they start rather than knowing that you have to get in and fix right. it from the mm-hmm. inside. Um, It's interesting that you bring that up because um, as a feminist mm-hmm. that you identify as um, there's from in the black community and in, in the conscious black community, there is a ton of criticism about feminism mm-hmm. and about feminism being something that only appeals to or benefits white women. Right. And the fact that when you talk about affirmative action, uh, white women in America are the biggest demographic that receives affirmative action. Um, there's something called womanism. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with it? Mm-mm. Womanism is black women who agree with sort of, and I, I I could be getting this wrong, so if people are watching this, you could correct me in the comments when mm-hmm. I say Oh, I they say. will. They would we never they do will. that. And <laughs> <laughs> the tweets. Right, but um, womenism is, is black women saying that our fight for equality as women 
is different from white mm-hmm. women because we have to face oppression uh, in, in, in two ways as opposed to and just being one. black and then as a woman. Right, because yeah. there's not a lot of space for black women in the feminism movement. So mm-hmm. they've created their own movement and there's leaders in that. Um, what do you think of that? Well, so I, I hosted this um, variety Power of Women luncheon or something like that, uh-huh. which you could imagine was a lot of uh, rich white women. Mm-hmm. And I said uh, in in part of what I was saying, I did a bit about how I was, uh, I said how every, like, wh- white women, you have to understand for every hurdle you have to go over, black women have to go over too. Because mm-hmm. they're fighting racism and sexism mm-hmm. every day. And it's a thing that white women, they just don't, understand it's like when um i think it was is bet midler tweeted the, oh uh, yeah she was there yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> women is the nigger of the world the john john lennon song it's fun i want to go back to your story but yeah. um it's interesting to me that the response to that she first tried to defend it and then she was like you know what i'm taking in this information and you're right i didn't know and back in the days when that song was out no one had a problem with it and it's like hold up we had a problem with it right <laughs> But go ahead, go ahead, please. Yeah, well, but that's the thing. It's like it's uh, it's it's all these like white women who they they think they're making all these like big moves, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you're ignoring so much of society. Like, it doesn't involve them. Yeah, like like the idea that like I would say white women might be the biggest problem. Oh, yeah. in the country. Uh, <laughs> she said it, folks. I had nothing to do with her. I'm statement. just agreeing. <laughs> She's getting claps and thumbs ups in the back. It, it's the <laughs> truth, though. It really is. But like we we and I, I have a bit mm-hmm. about this in my standup. But it's like it's like we we want to take on this victim role, and I'm like we've been a part of this the entire mm-hmm. time. Like the the idea that we haven't benefited from all this. The idea that like you know. And the fact that I learned about this stuff from movies is crazy because we're just not taught about. Like you have to seek it out right. if you really want to educate yourself. We should get your movie list later. Too. Yeah, but like, like, but like, by the movies, I mean, like, if you watch The Help or mm-hmm. what's that black lady astronaut movie? Oh, The uh, Hidden Figures. Oh, yeah, Hidden Figures. <laughs> I like that. That's what you say on your on black the... lady astronaut <laughs> yeah, movie. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, we can't call it that. People won't go see it. But like, you. Like even just those movies you see, you see, and I know, I know using those as references mm-hmm. means I need to educate myself more. Yeah. But, uh, like, you see all these like black women who worked really hard against everything, with like having very little help, mm-hmm. and then you see these white women who are like in these amazing homes mm-hmm. with rich husbands, and they can't seem to do a thing for themselves, exactly. and they act like they're just like. Well, things have been so hard for us. And it's like, have they? Or were you just lazy? <laughs> right. You know, like, were you just complacent? Were you comfortable? Mm. And I say that, it's like, it's like, that's what, I'm, I don't want to do the bit, but that's mm-hmm. like, that's where I think white men were really smart. They, mm. they kept us comfortable. And the thing is that, uh, like, black women, we take up for everybody. We take up for black men. We take up for white women. Um, I don't know so much white men, but... Uh, <laughs> They, they good. They don't, they're good. They good. But they it's straight. like when you look at sure um, it, yeah. the feminist movement and feminist movement and women's marches, you see black women out there, loud and proud, you know, fighting a fight that's not necessarily ours. But when it comes to different um, people getting killed by uh, by police officers or different um, Black Lives Matters movements, you don't see um, people speaking up. And I have people on my Facebook that are white and black. And it's a distinct difference when there is a woman's rights matters where mm-hmm. everyone's speaking up and when there's a black ma- um, matter and there's no white woman speaking up at all. And it's just not like, come on, help us out so we can help you. Right yeah, I mean, like if you're not fighting against racism, you're not a feminist. Exactly. Hmm. Word up. That's real talk. It's a jewel and a gem. Um, speaking of left and right and all that, um, college campuses are essentially incubators for, at this point, a lot of college campuses for like far left ideals. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of comedians, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, some of the best who have pushed back against some of the PC policing that's happened on college campuses. What do you feel about that? I've done... I, I do colleges. Mm-hmm. I don't change my set at all. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it is 
there's like this Twitter world and then there's like the real world. And oh, I do think knowing. a lot of times in college campuses, like you do get people that are a little bit more sensitive and like it's just because they haven't experienced the world yet. Right, right. And yeah, if they hate what you say on stage, they hate what you say. But like uh, if they're being honest with themselves, they'll probably confront that in the next couple of years anyway. It's a good way to look at it. I don't mind doing them. It's a great paycheck. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, if, if it doesn't get the laughs, it doesn't get the laughs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I'm not. So I'm, you're like, I, I'm doing my job. It's yeah. like, I'm me regardless of what the environment is. Yeah. Like, I, uh, someone said this about my set not too long ago, and I, I took it as a, a huge compliment, where they were like, there's some artists who give the people what they want, mm-hmm. and then there's some artists are, that are like, this is who I am, you can get on board if you want. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you fall in that line. And I That's was right. like, oh, thank you. That's what the White House Correspondents Dinner was about. Yeah. I, Me as an artist... Um, that's really where I got familiar with you as an artist, and I feel like a lot of people did. Um, it was such a release for me. Um, when Trump was in office, there was a week was? where... Well, he, no, when he first got in office, right? <laughs> I'm already wishing he was gone, right? Yeah, when he first got years. in office... I'm just kidding. I don't want no, that. No, no, no. We're not even speaking that negative. <laughs> it's funny. It's jokes. Um, she, um, White woman goddess since this mess. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, we'll keep us. We'll keep us in. She just joined the 52 Um, I was so incensed at this press conference he did, mm-hmm. where this uh, Hasidic Jewish reporter got up to ask him about to try to give him a uh, a layup on the anti-Semitism. He's like, "You sit down." And then April Ryan or someone stood up. He was like, "You shut up." And I was mm-hmm. just like, "I was like, how is this happening?" And us as a country were just okay, sitting here okay. and taking it. This, yeah. And so I went out. And I organized uh, protests. I was out in D.C. Uh, for a week in the park outside near the White House telling everybody. I was on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I'm like, meet me here at the park. We're going to protest. We're going to show up every day until he leaves. And every day about 20, 30 people showed up. And I was there for a week and it started getting cold. <laughs> 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 but I did. I really, I, this is how mad I was. Poor I stopped week. everything. Yeah. I looked at my uh, shows and I'm like, I could take some time off. I was like, I'm just going to be in D.C. until he's gone. Yeah. That's how I felt. And so after, after I got over that and went home, <laughs> you know, I watched you at the correspondence dinner. And I'm like, that's exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. I needed someone. He wasn't there in the room, right? Mm-hmm. No. But he was so upset that he tweeted the next day. Mm-hmm. And, um... Did they just really, 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 really not know who you were or they knew who you were and they thought they could contain you? Um, I think they thought since I'm, uh, I don't know how much they watched of my HBO special. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also don't think my HBO special is that offensive at all. I I don't know if it's really about Trump or politics. No, there's no really, there's a Hillary bit in it. Yeah, and you're like, Hillary is like a bitch. I call her a bitch, yeah. Yeah, so they're like, Uh, her. That's what we want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hillary's a bitch lady. Let's get her. Let's get her. (laughs) And I thought they also, I think they also thought that since I'm a woman, they Mm -hmm. would be like, well, she knows, she'll be polite. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was doing a sound check, the the woman who was in charge of it, she was she was like, "So, what's your gown look like?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, I'm wearing a suit." And she right. goes, "I'm wearing pants too. That's like my little stick it to the man." <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, oh no, you have no idea what's coming." <laughs> right, right, right. So you, well, you didn't She's do your like, jokes at soundtrack at all. No, I didn't run anything by them. You know, if they had asked for a script, I would have given them a completely fake transcript. Um, wow, that's I, badass. Well, I'd run the set for like an entire month before it happened, mm-hmm. and I, I, somehow it didn't get leaked anywhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, no one knew who I was, which was <laughs> helpful. Um, but I had all these people that I, I had sent it to people that have done it before, who had worked on other correspondence dinners, and they were like, "That's not going to do well in the room. That's not going to do mm-hmm. well in the room. You might want to throw in some of these, like go after this person or this person, because they'll be there, and the whole room will get on board." And I was like, mm-hmm. "I'm not doing it for the room. Right. I'm not like playing a role here. No, I'm not right. doing this for you. I'm doing it for the people." at home mm-hmm. um, is the grossest room I've ever been in. Mm. Like you saw people, you, you Jeff Zucker from mm-hmm. CNN, who they always play this game where they hate Kellyanne. Mm-hmm. They see each other from across the room and he, Kellyanne, she comes running over, so big bear hug. And I was just like, this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And that's just how right. that Because they're making world... money anytime they put her on CNN. Oh, yeah. It's like what Les so Moonves got money. caught saying. He's like, Trump is terrible for the country he's great for cbs great for cbs he's great for msnbc mm-hmm. he's great for, for fox them. he's great for cnn he's he's great for a lot of the late TMZ night shows everywhere right like, yeah he's he's and you would know you were in the writer's room for this. yeah and you know 
I do think you should, you need to cover the news and you need to cover mm-hmm. what happened. But I don't think you, I think there's a better way to do it than we're doing it right now. Now, after you did what you did on that stage, they stopped letting comedians come. <laughs> yeah. How does that make you feel? Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, it's very funny to me that they they got a historian this time, and that's great. Right. He's fine. Right. Uh, and you'll always be that, that person. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that it's broken. It, it it should never have existed in the first place. That's the point, right? To break that system, right? Yeah. It's now, all access journalism, and it's gross, right. and it's, you know. Speaking of access journalism, can we talk about Sarah Sanders Huckabee's smoky eye. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you got a lot of flack and pushback Uh for a joke about her smoky eye, Uh about how she makes it Uh and what she uses to make it. I think that the right right wing and the conservatives, they needed something on you. Mm -hmm. So they invented this narrative that you went after her weight or you went after her looks. Mm -hmm. Um, Was there any real threat there at some point? Because... I know that they can be very nasty. Um, well, first of all, I don't think the right came up with that. I think the media came mm. up with that narrative to take away from what I said at the end, which was that you're all profiting off of him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they picked that because they were like, we'll make it about her looks. And- right. So you became an enemy of of the people who were profiting off of, Clickbait. regardless exactly. of political affiliation. Yeah. The and people, then okay. it's very easy for the right to leap onto that. You know, right. like that was, you know, they're like, oh, you can't make fun of her looks. And for all these, you know, all the people on the right who are like, the left can't take a joke and mm-hmm. all this stuff. I'm like, I made a joke about eye makeup mm-hmm. and you guys got mad about that. So let's just keep that right. hypocrisy. But you did say to Trump uh, when he uh, said that you bombed badly uh-huh. that uh, I, you'd bet that he'd be on your side if you killed a journalist. Which is a great yeah. joke. Yeah. I love it. That was when... Because uh, that, um, that's a little deeper than the smoky eye, I think. Well, that was like right after that the Saudi journalist got right, killed. Right, right, right. And, um, uh, and he wasn't... Uh, and he took the side of Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know. I like that tweet. Donald Trump... <laughs> it was a good tweet. Donald Trump almost makes... Like, he makes... He pisses me off the fact that we have to disrespect him so much because it's like, I'm an American, so, you know, it does kind of suck that people just are talking to the president any type of way, but he deserves to be talked to this way. And it's just like, why don't you act right so we can respect you? Like, it's just freaking annoying. Well, I also... I think there's, like, misplaced uh, rage, and Trump is bad. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying he's not. Mm -hmm. But I think there's misplaced rage where I'm like, he's just the top of... He's like the head of the pimple, you know, right, like right, right. there is so He's much. A under, he, yeah, there's like, I mean, Mitch McConnell, I think, is the the worst person. And he's been in government for decades. Right. You know, like there's right. he he has been controlling the country necess- uh, pretty much. And we're not focusing on him at all because mm-hmm. we have Trump and he's saying all this stuff and he's tweeting all this stuff. Meanwhile, you know, Mitch McConnell's in like the cogs of the clock just being mm-hmm. like, no, we'll do it this way and this master. way. We'll take from here. We'll take from there. And he's been running the whole thing the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think, the, I mean, I think the left is broken too. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think, you know, there's a million things you could say that's wrong with the government. But, you know, Trump is, Trump is not, not the worst part. He's just the most vocal. Mm-hmm. And there's something nice about it when it's like anytime they threaten to take down the Confederate statues mm-hmm. and then like all these people from the town come out and they're like, no, you have to keep them up. It's our mm-hmm. history. It's like I like when that happens mm-hmm. because then you're like, all right, there are the racist people. Right. You know, I agree. Like it, mm-hmm. it brings them to the surface <laughs> so you can point them out. That's exactly what I tell people when they tell me to ignore these people on Twitter. I mean, your Twitter people are out of control. Sometimes I can't even go on my, my but Twitter But you know why? Now. It's because I engage with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so because I engage with them, they end up exposing themselves. Right. And then they get their account suspended because <laughs> they can't help but be in vile bigots. But what you said is very important because we get caught up in this Democrat versus Republican. Mm-hmm. And for my money, it's not about Democrat versus Republican. Mm-mm. It's about conservative ideals versus progressive ideals. And when you look at the scope of history, conservative ideals, which is essentially like, this is ours and we're going to conserve and those guys look strange over there. We don't know those guys. We don't Mm -hmm. trust those guys. We have to conserve a self-preservation first, Mm -hmm. America first, 
patriotism. Samuel Johnson said patriotism is the last refuge of a scoundrel. That's like conservatives, right? Versus progressives, which is progressives are like the status quo is bad. There are marginalized people. Let's be progressive. Let's be liberal. Let's be more free and open minded. Right. So you have conservatives who came up with the the right wing is conservative. That's where the Nazis come from. Mm -hmm. That's where the KKK comes from. And people get confused because when the KKK was in, in uh, and started and invented, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. When they were invented, the conservatives were the Democrats. Right. So now you have people online and in the political discussion say, well, the Democrats and I'm talking about in the black community as well. When they say the Democrats are the party of the KKK. Yeah, when they were conservatives. Right. They're not equally as bad. Right. Now, Democrats can be equally as racist as Republicans. Right. On They're some just issues. more hidden. You know, yeah, sure. on some issues, climate change or whatever, or smoking pot, you know, uh, Rand Paul might switch on smoking pot. You know, mm -hmm. he might be a libertarian or whatever. Um, but I think people really get caught up in the sort of red versus blue gang mentality of this country. One of the big things about being a Republican is small government. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big fan of small government. Right. Like, if you look at all the states, it's like, yeah, they should be able to, like, there's so many things within each state that they should be able to control, mm -hmm. whether it's agriculture mm -hmm. or, you mm -hmm. know, like how taxes are used, whatever it is. Like, if you, as someone who travels to a lot of those states, mm -hmm. it's very clear that, like, they need to be able to have their own ability to govern themselves because it's, you know, what what's useful in Pennsylvania is very different than what's useful in Washington. Absolutely. Um, state. I'm, I'm a big fan of small government, but I'm also a big fan of protecting the environment and uh, anyone being able to get married. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but then you see, like, there's... I don't think people know if they're actually Democrats or Republicans. Mm -hmm. I think they just have latched on to a side. You just grow up knowing that, oh, I'm Democrat or I'm Republican. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you see people that are Democrats that you're like, I don't think you're actually progressive. Like, right. You just... A lot of Democrats are not progressive at all. It's certain things that I agree with with Republicans, too, but overall it is... Like rumored or whatever, that like Republicans are all racist or Republicans are all want this way, or whatever. And it's just like if we can lean away from the more of the parties about oh this person's winning or this person's winning, then we can really start to get some change because at the end of the day, it's the same rich white people running everything. Doesn't matter if they're a Democrat or Republican, and those are the people that we need to take down in order to make changes. And the corporations and things of that nature, that's what needs to be taken down in order to make changes. And there's people that are running corporations that are Democrat and Republican. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like the whole thing is the whole thing is corporations. If we could get rid of what corporations are doing, like, mm -hmm. I mean, like, then we could actually start caring about people. Mm -hmm. the, the problem is it's like the government's not run to care about people. And that's when people were like, well, I want a businessman. I want uh, I want a, someone who's a businessman to be able to run this. It's like, well, you don't want to run a country like a business because a business cares about a bottom line. And that's it. Not a people. country should care about the people and mm -hmm. should be okay with going in the red because it's helping the people. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Thank you. <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> um, you went from working on uh, sort of other people's shows to working on your own show, mm -hmm. The Break. What was that experience like? Um, it was really fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, Netflix only gave us 10 episodes, so we we knew that was never going to be enough. Mm -hmm. Um a lot of people think we got canceled after 10. It was like, we only got 10. Right. Uh, there wasn't like, they didn't like stop the season midway right. or something. But uh, we always knew it wasn't going to be enough. I, I was with Seth when we started Late Night with Seth Meyers. And uh, it took us almost two years to figure that show out. Mm -hmm. And that was doing the show four days a week. Right. So. And this is a guy that has been doing this forever. For a very, yeah, head like he's writer, been a head writer yeah. of a of you know a major television show right. for a very long time. Uh so we just tried to have fun. We just mm -hmm. tried to do, you know, like we tried out to do different things. We I I tried to have an environment where people felt like they could just write whatever they wanted to write. Mm -hmm. Every joke would be because I'm a writer who I have to throw out 10 bad jokes to get my one good joke. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that it was an environment where people felt comfortable doing mm -hmm. that. Um, and we had a lot of fun. I mean, I'm happy with everything we did. Uh, I learned a lot from it. If I were to have another show, of course, there's things I would do differently. Right. Um, I have a better idea of the kind of show I'd want to do now, but I'm very happy that I got to do it. And um, I, you know... Netflix isn't a great place to do a show like that, but mm. I'm happy that they let me do it, and uh, it was a good experience. Now, My friend worked on your show. 
Who? Um, I hope you know her now that I called her out. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy Gabriel. I don't know what she went by professionally, but her name is Crystal Where Gabriel. Where is she? She was an assistant producer, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, her? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Everyone her. Everyone there was so great. Like, I, we, had, we had a really fun time. Uh, but, you know, we just need more runway. I was going to say that sometimes it takes you having a show and, you know, like you said, to figure out what you want. So now when you have your next one, you're already going to be able to check off like, okay, this, this work, this work, this work, and this doesn't work or whatever. So you'll be able to flourish even more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I let myself be influenced a little too much by the Correspondence Center mm. where it was like, we were already prepping for the show. Then the Correspondence Center happened and, and people were like, well, now go in this direction. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should go in that direction a right. little. And I was like, no, I should have. I should have stayed on course. I should have stuck to my guns a little bit and mm. kind of just made it the show I, that I really wanted yeah. it to be. I think people expected me to do more political stuff. Right. I'm not a really political comedian. I've just worked on political things. Yeah, I, that's what I like about your set. Is that you um, you labor to to be fair. Mm -hmm. um, and not at the expense of the comedy, of course. Like the, It's got to be funny first. Yeah. But you're like, you're not out here trying to be like, you know, really biased to one-sided. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to let people see my opinion, my point of view, and I, I argue, I use every joke, I argue it almost like a legal mm -hmm. case where I'm, like, I try to cut people off before they can get mad. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. I know, if I'm, like, this is what people are going to get mad about. I'm going to negate all of those mm -hmm. things so they have no ammunition. I mean, they're all, they can always find right. a way. Bloggers find a way. Oh, my gosh. That's their job, isn't it? <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Now, speaking of Netflix, Amy Schumer and Monique, as uh, comedians who happen to be women, mm -hmm. uh, spoke out uh, about feeling like Netflix was unfair to them as women. Mm -hmm. Did you have any of those same issues? I didn't, but I mean, I've also... I've only been doing stand-up for nine years, mm -hmm. so oh, wow. everything I get... You're a nine-year-old. Yeah, like everything That's I get is... I don't know, I'm almost God, five. We had, Godfrey, <laughs> we had Godfrey on, and he was just like, you're a five-year-old. You're five a five-year-old. <laughs> well, not even yet, but, you know. You know, Godfrey can do, like, three separate hours wow. in oh, yeah. any one night. Like, Godfrey did, like, seven podcasts the day he did my podcast. Wow. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's got, like, a, 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 like, a safe full of material. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Um, but, uh... Yeah, I mean, so anything, I get asked a lot. It's like, is it harder for women? Is it, are you mm -hmm. treated unfairly? It's like, I've moved so quickly yeah. that I I just can't relate to what mm. they're going through. Yeah, Monique, Monique has put a lot of time on the road. She's put a lot of time and in. And movies and TV and. And, and she, she's had to do the dirty work too, yeah. you know? Like she's had to put her head down and, and probably do stuff that she didn't, like, mm -hmm. like she's really had to put the work in. Um, and I think, you know, she feels like, and probably rightfully so, that she deserves more. Mm -hmm. um, that's the problem when you just use an equation to figure out what, what you, you should, should pay, pay people. Yeah. Um, I think Amy was already making a lot of money, so <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't right. really can't comment on how <laughs> right. much more she should have been making. Um, <laughs> right. I, I, you know, like, it's a weird thing with pay equality where it's like, it, it does have to do with profit and numbers and like how much people bring in and right. all that stuff it's like and then there's cultural currency yeah you know me as an artist um my numbers in the music industry are not the same as some other of my peers and contemporaries but mm -hmm. my cultural currency may be higher than some of them mm -hmm. yeah depending on where where i stand um i have a you know get by is is my song that's my free bird yeah right that's where i got it uh what's your free bird what's your is there is or do you have one is there a bit or comedy do people expect you to roast trump whenever you show up they expect me to roast Trump all okay. the time. I don't have a single Trump joke. Okay. <laughs> uh, I like. I was. I remember. I was in Burlington, Vermont, mm -hmm. which is a, a very liberal town, mm -hmm. but so they hilariously, just, they hilariously liberal in a <laughs> right. way where you're just like so liberal that it's probably conservative again. <laughs> and also, every this is if anyone from Burlington's listening, you're probably gonna hate me after this. But everyone Burlington. there, I saw all these men that I was like, I thought they were just hanging out with their sons, and then I realized that. Their son was a woman and also oh. their wife. <laughs> like it just, That's fucking hilarious. We love you, Burlington. Uh, yeah. <laughs> great town. Great, great coat factories up there in Burlington. But like <laughs> Burlington. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was every show, I swear, every show, if I had stopped the show and said, listen, you know what? Enough with comedy. Tomorrow we have to go in March. <laughs> they would have been like, yeah. <laughs> 
like with, that's what they came for. With that but right. I, voice. I'm this, there trying to do like you know the end of my set's like 12 minutes of dick jokes. You know, yeah. like it's not it's not necessarily highbrow right. or political. Right. Um, but you have fart jokes, dick jokes, all that. I love a fart joke. <laughs> I, I love a poop joke. I mean, yeah, come man. on, bring it on. Get nasty uh, with it. Yeah, you have one of my favorite fart jokes of all time. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. The, the, the rape whistle fart joke. Thank you. It's <laughs> a good thank one. You. Why do you feel like you were? Because um, you said that you were fast track, so you didn't really have to um, go through a lot of things. In nine years, like that is really good because obviously they all they always tell you you need to wait ten years or more before you can do anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you think that it was like your competitive nature, or why do you feel like you were able to fast track through a bunch of uh, different obstacles that other comedians and especially women mm -hmm. have to go through? I think a lot of it was timing. I mean, I, 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 you know, it's hard for me to say that, like, I worked harder than anyone else because I don't know how hard other people work. So, I, you know, like, I just know how hard I worked, which was mm -hmm. very, very hard. I mm -hmm. used to sit at my computer every day, and I would, um, this, I still had a day job at this point, and I was, I would just tweet jokes all mm. the time. I'd read the no news. I'd tweet jokes. I mean, I was tweeting, like, 25 or so, mm -hmm. you know, jokes at a time, you know, just ram. They were terrible, mm -hmm. but I was just practicing. Mm -hmm. And it was when Twitter was not as popular. You could get away with doing right, that kind like of stuff. Oh nine Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the best Twitter, man. I <laughs> love those times. Yeah, like, I think 2011, 2012 right. for me. That was know, the like, era. Yeah, that was the golden era. So. Yeah, and it was really, you know, like I, I just really put my nose down. I worked, and I, you know, like I don't really. I'm trying to do a better job of it now, but back then and still a little bit now I didn't really have a personal life mm -hmm. um I I I worked all the time um I had a friend of mine early on in stand up he said if you're not doing it every day you're not doing it mm -hmm. and I just lived by that motto mm -hmm. um I did as many mics as I could every night mm -hmm. I Pay I submitted attention, packets folks. this is the blueprint yeah I, I yeah. submitted packets I tried to do as much as I could mm -hmm. and then I ended up getting a getting the opportunity to do a packet for Seth and then mm -hmm. um, got hired off of that. But even when I was at Seth, I still did stand up every single night. Right. Um, I still worked on my own stuff. Uh, and to his credit too, he was really, really, really supportive of that. I remember yeah, we shout were- Shout out to Seth Myers, who's one of my favorite comedy writers. Yeah, he's and he's an unbelievable boss. Like mm -hmm. he, uh, we were shooting a promo for the show um, before it even aired and uh, and he, we were talking, we barely knew each other at this point. And he was like, so you're going to keep doing stand-up once the show starts? And I was like, oh, I'll probably cool down, you know, just make mm. sure I have enough time to focus. And he goes, no, I want you to keep doing stand-up. Right. He's like, no, you that wasn't a question. Yeah. So that to me was like, he's he's always been so supportive and so like, you know, That's awesome. it, it was a great, it was a great first real comedy mm -hmm. job because they were they just wanted you to do well mm -hmm. because they know if you were doing well, you'd do well at the show. Now, for your new special, did you lock up their phones? I didn't, okay. actually. Oh. I didn't. I don't use any of, I don't use Yonder and any of those things yet. Okay. Um, I probably will at some point, but I, I I do have people policing the room and right. slapping phones out of people's hey. hands. <laughs> uh, so you got phone slappers. I But I asked that because you talked about um, sort of training ground of like trying jokes out on Twitter. And um, you, you called your jokes terrible. Mm -hmm. Kevin Hart had a pretty terrible Twitter joke. Yeah. Right. And I, I imagine a lot of comedians have terrible Twitter jokes from especially that era, mm -hmm. like 09 to like when comedians were first discovering Twitter. I mean, Louis C.K. got in trouble for all types of other things. Mm -hmm. But I recall when he first got on Twitter, when he first got on Twitter, he got on and then quit twice. Yeah. Because he was doing jokes or trying things out that the Twitter audience was like, what the fuck is this? Mm. And he was like, okay, maybe Twitter is not the place right. for him. You know, what do you think about cancel culture? What do you think about the idea that people like who are going through things like whether it's Aziz mm -hmm. or Louis or Kevin Hart, and forgive me if people feel like those things don't conflate or are not all the same things, right. but they're all people who are victims of things that they did either in, in their the private life or in their past or did on Twitter that now people are, are they're living their lives in public. Mm -hmm. And they're making these huge mistakes in public. Mm -hmm. And people are judging them and assigning value and um, saying, well, okay, because of this mistake, right? Like Kevin Hart has built up this amount of credibility or this amount of cultural currency or whatever. But this mistake, we needed some of this back. Right. You know, how do you feel about all that? And 
are there tweets that people might want to cancel you over? Well, I think there's, you know, like you have to, I think you have to be a lot smarter than we are being with cancel culture. First of all, you have to look at it like, all right, we're in 2019. Mm -hmm. What people were saying in 2009, you can't look at it in 2019 lens. Mm -hmm. You have to look at it in a 2009 lens Mm -hmm. because, you know, the further you go back, I mean, you're go- you're always going to find people saying terrible things that as they progress. Right. Myself included in my own personal history. Mine yeah. too. Yeah. I had a, I was having this conversation with Dave mm-hmm. and, and he was saying how it's like, oh, you want to go in the past? Let's go in the past. <laughs> right. You know, and it's right. like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what Kevin Hart tweeted is right. not nearly as bad as what happened in the past mm-hmm. to black right. people. Right. Or even in the recent past. Right. <laughs> even yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't have to go. You could go an hour ago. Yeah. Right. I find something. Um, but I also I think it's really weird for liberals to have this cancel culture because we're supposed to be living in the society of redemption. Mm-hmm. You know, like we want people to be able to prove that they've grown and learned and i think that's like canceling is is so bizarre to me because it's like no it shouldn't be about what people did it should be about what they're what they've done since then are they do have they grown are they who are they now what have they done what are they contributing to society Mm -hmm. and also what context did they do it in context is very very important on twitter as a comedian if it was a joke then it's very bizarre mm-hmm. to throw in all this, like, like you had just said it in a uh, a real world conversation, right? Like just a stranger on the train. Yeah, or it's like yeah. they take Kevin's tweet, like he said it to a boy mm-hmm. in a playground, right? You know, where it's like, no, right. he said it as with a, a dollhouse. Yeah, like he he brought a dollhouse <laughs> to a playground in your mouth? and then just like accosted like a a little gay boy, you know. <laughs> And, you know, like, that's not fair. That's not fair to do for comics. Mm -hmm. But, like, even if you take out of the, you know, like, you you take it out of joke society and where you're just like, okay, how people have behaved or whatever, um, I I think we got to look to see, like, everyone has something they could be canceled over. Mm -hmm. Every single person. There's not, whether it's right now, 10 years ago, or something you did today that five years from now people are going to be like, that right. was wrong. Right. In and, the in the lens five years from now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Things we don't even know are wrong right mm-hmm. now that are definitely going to be wrong. I, I think it's so much more important instead of saying, like, they're wrong. We should never listen. We should we should remove everything they've ever done to being like, no, look, look who they are now. Look at what we've done as a society. Because we want to do that with people all the time. You know, like... <laughs> I don't know why this is the example that's coming to mind, but Michael Vick, uh, people oh. are probably going to get really mad at me for this, uh, got in so much trouble for dogfighting, mm-hmm. right? He went to jail, he served time, and mm-hmm. now people are still mad at him. And I'm like, right. but that's supposed to be how... But we're supposed to get over How slavery. jail works. Right, that's how jail mm-hmm. works. That's like, he served his time, he did his sentence. Mm-hmm. Like, he's supposed to come out of that and we're supposed to accept him back into society. Right. And that, I mean, that's supposed right. to be how all... You should look that's at that right. for like all jail sentences. But, that's like, right. but that's the problem too with the system is that they make you do all this time and then they don't accept they don't. you back into society. They keep saying, remember when you did this? Remember when you did this? And it's like, no, I just want to do the right thing. Like, just let me, you know? Right. And it's like, it's like if we're supposed to be living in a society of redemption, which I feel like liberals, especially white liberals, are like, no, we, we want to forgive. But then at the same time, they're like going after every single thing that someone's done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you... I think it's shitty. I think what we're doing is really mm-hmm. shitty. Um, I think it's, you know, it's shitty to the people that were actually involved in the event to begin with, mm-hmm. whether it's the person they're mad at or the victim, you know, like, because we don't know how those victims feel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this stuff that we're getting mad at, like, we're getting mad. And I, I put this on, I'm, I'm sure there's more people that are doing it, but I put it on white women again, who were saying, like, we're like, no. You were offensive and you mm. did something bad and we have to punish you for it. When right. we didn't even ask again. if they were offended. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that, that it's not about that's liberation. Right. It's not about wanting to be liberated or wanting to be progressive, which they claim. Yeah. But it's about wanting to imitate those who oppress you. It's yes. like these whatever you want to call them, one percent straight white males or whatever, they have had all this power to control. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people uh want to just imitate that power rather mm-hmm. than really getting free. Exactly. Like I there's so much power in being able to say you're canceled. Mm-hmm. You're gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like 
wait, first of all, why? But also... And who the fuck are you? It's yeah, a trend. Who are you? People just do it just to feel a part of something. Like, they just jump on the bandwagon. They don't even know why they're canceling somebody. They probably don't even really believe in the cause a lot of times. It's just like, oh, this is a cool thing to do. Let's all jump on this person. And then it's like, it's never okay to everybody jump and bully on one person. I always feel bad when somebody gets canceled, especially when they're obviously sorry for it. Mm -hmm. If you rape somebody, something like that, that's different. But if you said something and you're trying to, you know, come back from it, then it's like, come on, let them learn and grow. I, I just think like it's, it's, this, it's, a, it's a power move. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's not about making society better. It's not about, they don't care. They just right. want, we've always loved this. Mm -hmm. We've always loved watching people die. Mm. Whether it's, you know, metaphorically and canceling, mm -hmm. but like gladiator, mm -hmm. public hangings, public burnings, public... Right. The gallows. Lynching. Yeah. Like, gallows humor comes from us watching people, their demise. Everyone, if in, like, back when they used to behead people, mm -hmm. that was someone's day. Mm -hmm. Right. They would leave their farm. Pack a picnic. They'd be like, we're not doing any farm work right. today. We're watching some we're beheading. We're going to watch someone right. die. Right. And it was like a big thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone loved it. We've always loved watching people die. And that's right. what we're doing right now. Because it gives you a sense that you're like, in that one moment, no yeah, matter yeah. how terrible your life is, it's not as bad as that person. Yeah. That's exactly right. That is what it is. That's why people watch Love and Hip Hop too. <laughs> what, what is wrong with that? Exactly. That's exactly. my stories. I watch it because it's my stories. It's I like, would like Young to, and the Restless. I would like to thank you for standing on the side of restorative justice when it comes to the prison thing. A lot of mm -hmm. people don't understand that. I would like to thank you for being you. I would like to thank you for being on the People's Party. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Wolf. Thanks for having me. Sorry about my voice. <laughs> <laughs>